Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Catching Up Podcast, where I reconnect with Tabor alumni and get an insight into their lives and careers after graduating from the Academy. I am your student host, Isabella Garces, and today I am joined by David Chokichi, a world-renowned television and film actor known for his roles in Baywatch and Witchblade, among many other films. But we will get to that shortly. Thanks for having me um, on your inaugural show. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Um, and just to start, if you could give me a quick elevator pitch about who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is David Chokichi. Uh, I am 54 years old. I graduated from Tabor in 1986. I am um, I'm an actor, um, producer, writer, um, dad, um, avid, um, environmentalist, huge surfer, huge lover of the ocean. Um, kind of that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Um, and so just to say, you're originally from Plymouth, Massachusetts, right? So, yeah. So how did you get to Tabor? What's your sort of origin story? Um, well, at the time, like Plymouth High School was, there were so many kids and there wasn't enough space. So Plymouth High School was going into like split sessions where kids would go from like six in the morning till noon or noon till six. It was like, it was really messed up. And, um, you know, luckily my parents had the means and they, they, they were able to kind of, we looked at a few, other, few schools around New England. Um, Tabor being on the ocean kind of sold it for me. Um, and yeah, so I ended up going there and my brother went there and um, my good friend Mark Imany went there and then my brother's best friend Doug Coop went there. So there's like this little group from Plymouth, Massachusetts who, who went down to Tabor Academy and then it ended up expanding. Um, but yeah, it was a really good, you know, it was a, a school that a school I wanted to play sports and Tabor has a high emphasis on sports, obviously. Um, I was a football player. Um, I wrestled, I played lacrosse. Um, so like all those things kind of just fit. And the fact that, um, my parents didn't want me to be, they didn't want their kids to be boarding students. They, they wanted to see them at night. So we were day students. So we just, we carpooled and did the drive every morning early and, and then, uh, commuted home after whatever sporting activity was done at like 6 30 at night great and then when you were sort of looking into colleges um looking to leave Tabor, that sort of refined small structured community what was what were you thinking what was going through your head what was your outlook like there was a few things one um I was interested in Annapolis um, and Annapolis was interested in me because of sailing. I, I grew up um, sailing ever since I was five. My mom was a really good sailor from the Cape. Um, and I ended up like, I ended up uh, teaching sailing. I competed in all kinds of, uh, I competed in the junior Olympics for windsurfing. Um, I raced four twenties in like nationals. Um, and uh, I had this interest of going, I don't know, I don't really know where it came from, but I got appointed from our, you have to be appointed from your congressman and I got appointed to go there. 
Um, and I went down there and visited and <clears throat> it was, it was probably the worst thing Annapolis did. They stuck me with two kids who were not on a sports team. And like, so I spent like the weekend with them and they were just like, they kind of, they hated it. Like they didn't feel like they belonged and it was kind of miserable for them. Um, and at the time, you know, I should have, I probably should have been like, I, I wasn't probably good enough to play football at Annapolis. Um, but I could, I was good enough to sail there. Um, and they should have probably structured like the weekend visit to be with a couple of people from the sailing program. So I could, it would have been a totally different experience, but when I left there, these, like the guys I had like stayed with, they were just like, man, this is brutal. You know, we just get right. You know, it's harsh. We can't even sleep in our sheets. Anyway. Um, I, after that, after I kind of figured that wasn't going to happen, um, I looked at a bunch of schools all again, all in new England, um, Bates being one because my brother-in-law had gone there and he had played football and had a really great experience, loved the school. Um, so I, um, you know, I played football at Tabor and was good enough to like, to show some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of prospect for Bates. Bates was looking for football players and, and also the academics, but um, they also told me, you know, because you're, you're a good football player, we can, if you apply early to Bates, um, we can probably help nudge you and get you in. So, um, so I settled, I just kind of committed to Bates based on my brother-in-law's experience. Um, and his, his younger brother was going to Bates at the time. And, um, we have a huge affinity for Maine. My, we have a cottage up there and my dad's buried in Maine. Um, we've been going there to Maine since, um, since I was born, actually, we bought this piece of property on a river, literally when I was born. So, um, I love the idea of Maine and, um, I think Bates, Bates pretty much stuck out because of my brother-in-law, you know, it was like, well, he loved it. And, you know, I got a good, one of the coaches was high on me for football and it seemed like an easy fit over like Bowdoin or Colby um, or any other schools kind of in NESCAC. And at this point you're going there for family, for football. Um, did you have any idea what you wanted to do after college? You know, some people going in saying, I want to study business or I want to do pre-med. Um, what were your thoughts going in? No. So, I mean, going in, I was just like, I was going in to enjoy this experience of being in college and playing football. And I also played lacrosse and um, surrounded by like, we all had this, we didn't have frats at Bates, but we have, we all, all the football players lived in the same house. And so there was 28 of us and like four baseball players. So like 32 dudes and, um, you know, I, I, I majored in political science. Um, Bates has a high emphasis on your thesis. Like you have to write a thesis to graduate and it's the culmination of all four years of your education that they feel is uh, really important. And I ended up doing really well in my, my thesis. I wrote on the politics of deforestation in Latin America, basically, you know, it was, it was when how they're kind of just slashing and burning to, you know, to make money fast, but then in the meantime, they're, they're destroying their countries. Um, 
But the best thing I did at Bates was um, a, a buddy of mine who was a year older, and I just started, started talking to me about, he went abroad on this program called Semester at Sea. And um, I was like, what, would tell me about it. And I started looking it up and um, it would mean I would have to forfeit my spring, my junior spring year of lacrosse, but it sounded just like too good to be true. And I, I none of my really close friends wanted to do it in this one random, friend he's i haven't talked to in years his name's paul apolito he out of the blue was like um yeah man semester at sea sounds amazing and like i had no idea at the time but that program and going abroad in that program shaped everything i've done in my life like it, it's what gave me the the courage and the ambition and the curiosity to want to pursue something outside of becoming like an insurance salesman or a, or a, um, you know, like an accountant or any, like semester at sea. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, we left from the Bahamas and we went to, I'll do this fast, but we went to Spain. We would focus mainly on third world countries. So you're on a boat and when you're at sea, you're in class, but when you get to port, they're like, go do whatever you want. And so we went to Spain, we went to Yugoslavia, we went to Odessa, Russia, then we flew to Moscow. We got off at the pyramids, we climbed the pyramids, we figured out how to do this, like you bribe the guys. Went through the, um, across the Indian Ocean, went to India, Malaysia, Singapore, China, Japan and Taiwan, and then we flew home. But when I got home from that trip, I remember like, my brother-in-law picked me up from the airport. I'm riding home and I'm like, I'm screwed. Like I, I can never do a job that is going to keep me in a box. Like ever. I had seen too much and I had experienced like the world in whatever, five months. And um, it had changed me forever. So one thing I would highly advise to all like Tabor students or, or, you know, even yourself as, as you go into college is do a year abroad. Uh, semester at sea is still available it was kind of when I did it it was probably um, it was pretty debaucherous um, you know there was it was three to one girls to guys it was mainly girls from like Boulder and Arizona State and I'm like this me and this my buddy are from Maine and we you know we're used to looking at girls from Maine and all of a sudden it's like <clears throat> holy shit we hit the jackpot man um, but it was more than it, that. It was just like, it was, you know, being able to get off in port and they have the trust in you. So you had to have sometimes anywhere from like three to six days and you could, you rent a car, go do whatever you want. And it just, um, it opened my eyes to the world. It opened my eyes to that. There are so many things you can do in this world and you should never limit yourself. Um, a, a lot of, for five months, we traveled in an RV and experienced more of like the United States. And we based it kind of on national parks and college football games. And, but it would, again, it was like opening my eyes. And, you know, when I got home from that trip, I ended up, I was, I was kind of stuck. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was thinking of applying to like UVM for environmental studies, but I, I didn't even know what that really would mean. And 
I had had this passion. Um, Mark Imany, myself and my brother and my buddy, we used to make these home movies when we were kids, like based on Miami Vice, right? My parents would be gone for the day and we'd edit together these really cool segments of these movies. And I, I had the fascination of um, just being able to play those characters. And also as an actor, you know, myself be never wanting to be pinned down to one career job. That's like, this is what you're doing the rest of your life. I mean, the, the only other job that allows you to do, be a firefighter, be a policeman, be a dad, be a SWAT team, whatever, as an actor, you get to play, I've played, you name it. And I've kind of played it, whether it's in TV and film, like lifeguard, a detective, um, a surf coach, um, all these things. So acting seemed to like be like something that just fit right into my, my ambitions and kind of my dreams and what I wanted to do and how do I, I wanted to be, I really wanted to just be able to be free and, and not be confined. Um, so you hadn't done acting at Tabor, right? At all? No. Anything in college? No. Just this, something that you'd been doing with your brothers and your friends. So yeah. What was that sort of, where was the turning point for you? Where you were like, you know what? I want to explore this. I want to do this as a job full time. So it, it kind of, well, it started out, um, it basically started out, I did after college and I ended up, after we traveled around in that, in the RV, I ended up working construction for my brother-in-law just to make money. Cause my parents were like, you're nuts. You, you gotta be doing something. And it was the best thing ever because I, now I'm a like full-blown carpenter. Like I worked for him for years, but during that time I saw like an ad in, uh, in they were looking for like athletic models in Boston at this Ford, it was like Ford modeling agency. And um, I, I went in, um, they were like, yeah, cool. Get some pictures taken and whatever. We'll see what we can do. And so I did all these pictures. Um, I ended up like booking a bunch of jobs, like even like these construction looking wearing, wearing jobs, um, some athletic things. I booked some Reebok jobs. And then um, they also at the same time were like, you know, you should go out on commercials because you, you, you have a great commercial look and you're you're already doing this modeling. Like, why don't you go see this place? It's called College and Pickman Casting in Cambridge. And I'm pretty sure they're still around. They're being a big casting um, studio. And um, so I went there and, you know, I, I hadn't taken classes, but they, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in doing this. And they said, well, why don't you take like a, like a commercial workshop, acting workshop. And I, I did. And then I ended up getting an audition pretty quickly for like a Miller Lite commercial that shot at Fenway Park and I ended up getting it. Um, and then um, I kind of just was like, the college, the place, college, the casting, they cast like a lot of big movies in Boston at the time. Like, um, anyway, there was a bunch of big movies that they were casting them and they, they were like, you know, not many people bag a commercial as quickly as you did. You should seriously like study this, study acting and, and give it a real go. So I, I would study, I would like study at night. I worked construction during the day. Um, I kind of 
branched out down to New York City to try and like test the waters there, like modeling and, and, and commercials. But and it was working a little bit, but I felt like I was getting torn between being at Boston and New York City. And um, you know, I had always had this affinity for Southern California and living in Los Angeles. I'd been here a few times and I'd like I just fell in love with the place. And and no matter what, I wanted to live here for a chunk of my life. Um, so eventually, you know, I built up my resume. I studied pretty extensively at that studio. Um, I ended up getting a couple other commercials. I built up my modeling portfolio. Um, and then I basically was like, told my parents, like, I'm going to go move to, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to try this. And I had, beforehand I had sent my stuff to like modeling agencies out here and commercial agencies and I ended up getting one a good modeling agency just via like mailing stuff so I had before I even got here I was set up um and so I ended up the crazy story is that I ended up leaving my home driving out here getting here and I arrived like two days before the Northridge earthquake. Like I arrived on a Saturday night and on Monday morning at like 4.30 in the morning, like the city crumbled. And like, along with all like, I had all these plans, all these hookups, all these things that were in momentum. Um, so it, that was like a major, kind of a major setback. But um, I, I, I ended up, you know, again, I used my construction experience and a friend of mine worked for FEMA and he's like, David, here's a great way to make money. You take this tablet, you go inspect, um, you inspect fireplaces out in Northridge where with the epicenter, you just look at them, you kind of sign off and you say whether or not what it is, if it needs to be fixed. So I ended up doing that for like six months until the city kind of rebuilt itself. Um, and then once the city rebuilt itself, I, again, I like one thing I never let lapse. Like I, I was always working while I was pursuing my dream as an actor. Like as soon as that FEMA job was empty, uh, over, I was moving into a place in Brentwood and I walked in and the guy with, there was a carpenter like renovating the place. And I was like, Hey dude, if you ever need a, someone to help swing a hammer, I'm really good and I'm moving into this place right here. He's like, yeah, whatever. Like next morning he knocks on my door at like 7 a.m. He's like, you wanna go to work? And then I ended up working for him for like a year. And then during that year, I again would study. I had only, I had zero connections out here, like no friends. I mean, one friend, but who wasn't really in the business. And then like a distant friend of my dad's who was an acting coach. And I signed up and I took his class and I started working construction during the days. And then um, kind of same thing, did some commercials, did a bunch of modeling. Um, and then finally, like the same small agency that represented me for modeling and, and commercials, they, they got this audition. They go, hey, they're replacing the main young love interest on Baywatch. And I got you an audition. And I was like, what no way like holy shit that's amazing so like i buckled down i worked with my acting coach on the audition um i i kind of did everything i could to possibly prepare for this for this moment 
Um, and I ended up going into the, into the casting office and um, like literally they'd been searching for months. They searched New York City, they searched LA. They just could not find, the character was supposed to be this kid from the Midwest who was like an Olympic hopeful swimmer, um, but kind of like just, you know, down to earth kind of guy. And they just like, the executives were not happy with anybody they found. I walk into that casting room with my like audition sides. And before I said, even say a word, they go, holy shit, you're the guy. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? They go, the writer has been dead set on someone who looks like you, who sounds like you. Like I hadn't even spoken yet, really. They, they just go, who looks like you? And they're like, you're literally the guy they're looking for. So don't blow this. And then, no so I had to go through, like, it was a big role, you know, um, to replace this young guy because it was like, it was an international, the show was still like climbing in history. It was, it was yet to be the number one show in the world, um, but it was getting close. And after like five auditions, I, also, I had to do a swim test, which I crushed. And, and one of the executive producers uh, who had a lot of say was a big ocean swimmer, lifeguard himself and swimmer. And he saw that I could do like underwater laps. He saw I could, you know, I could swim free, do everything. Um, they tested me in the ocean, um, all these things. And I, I ended up getting the job and, um, you know, it was kind of just set me on my trajectory to like, I don't know how many, that was in 1994, 95, and it's 2022. And I'm still, I'm still working as an actor. Like I, I just started a film a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, Baywatch was that launching point, but, um, the, like the thing, like the message I would love to spread to people coming up the ranks is like, you know, work, get a job where you're making money so you can support your dream because you're just sitting around on the couch thinking it's going to happen. That's never going to happen that way. And you really got to be relentless and you got to be lucky too. Like I just happen to be super lucky, like with that whole thing, the way it went down everything. And, um, you know, I ended up becoming like the main dude on the show, Pamela Anderson's love interest for two years. And, you know, I, they ended up like letting me direct some stuff. And um, yeah, it was off to the races after that. So those months and the years that you were working and you were studying and preparing, did you know what you were preparing for? Did you have a feeling? Were you ever sort of at a point where you were ready to move home or you were ready it, it was not honestly it was really close um i was working construction and i had this girlfriend back in boston and she was like freaking out that i like wasn't coming home and i remember calling her and i was like yeah you know i'm kind of getting close to the point where if this doesn't if something doesn't really happen soon i don't know i'll probably i'll probably then you know move back to plymouth or whatever and you know figure it out and then this, but this happened fast. Like with, this happened within a year, which is extremely rare. Like it takes people years upon years to break into the business, to get a small role, to get the next role. And I end up like with at the end of one year, I ended up getting 
the hugest role I could possibly land because it was global. It wasn't just the United States. It was the world. And all of a sudden I was like flying to England to do photo shoots before we even start shooting and going to the Bahamas and do all this cool stuff happen. Um, but the, also the other thing, like I want to say is that, you know, during my first year of Baywatch, they only guaranteed me like six episodes out of 22. And it was basically like a pro, like a probation kind of run to see how you do. But like a, I knew physical fitness was like a big part of the show. So I worked my ass off and I was like more fit than anybody on the show, except maybe this one guy who was like the real life guard. And I worked really hard as an actor studying at night with a, well, I had a, I had, had a private coach at that time. And he and I basically, you know, like I worked it. And then all of a sudden I ended like the first season instead of doing just six, I did like 18 out of 22. And then after that, I did all full, uh, you know, all 22, 22, 22. I did like, I don't know, close to a hundred episodes. How did you handle, like you said, it's very rare for you to just find that amazing role um, so quickly, but how did you handle that sort of, all of a sudden um, being in the spotlight and people knowing who you were and being on Baywatch and moving forward with that and continuing to work hard? You know, it's, I mean, that's a great question because like all my buddies, especially from college, thought I was going to change and turn into this like Hollywood asshole or something. And I think A, going to a school like Tabor where I, you know, I, I, I loved the community. I loved the sports community. I loved the coaches. I mean, I was so close to like, you know, like Dick Duffy and all these coaches, the wrestling coach, yeah, Duff and, um, and Mr. Duffy, Mr. Slippo and, and all these people. And coming, it was just being from New England and being from Plymouth, Massachusetts and coming from a family where my dad was like, he, he was relentless on us. Like on weekends, even during high school, all my buddies, including Mark, if he listens to this, would be like, hey, let's go to the beach. Let's go water skiing. My dad's like, you boys aren't going anywhere. You have a list of chores to do. And if you finish them, you can do them. But the list would be a mile long. And this was all that he, he kind of, he beat into us, not physically, but kind of, you know, the, he beat into us the meaning of earning your own, you're earning a dollar or working hard. And the best thing he gave myself and my brother and my sister and I, um, was work ethic. And my mom gave us that too. Like they were not going to like give us handouts. They, they did, we were lucky. They paid for our education, but they taught us like, you know, how to work. And, um, I think having that groundedness also being from Massachusetts, you're kind of, I didn't buy into like, I, I saw what happened. I saw the traps of like other actors on the show, like taking their money and buying like fancy cars or spending it, like buying like, like a home, like way too, like just being really stupid. And I was just like the opposite. I, I got like this forerunner and that I had that forerunner for like 18 years and never changed it. Like, and I got it when I was on, that was my one thing I treated myself to on Baywatch. Um, but I just was like, I didn't fall victim to the traps of like the ego that hits most people and walking around like you're better than someone. I've never been that way in my life. And, you know, I continue to treat the person who's 
at the gas station as well as anybody else in my life. You know, it's just, it's my upbringing. It's, it's also by going to good schools like Tabor and Bates and surrounding yourself with good students and good teachers and um, having good parents who kind of watch over you and keep your ass out of trouble. <laughs> well, all of that was amazing. Um, but if you have one piece of advice to give to current Tabor students about their future, um, finding success after they graduate, what would it be? I mean, I think first and foremost, if, 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 if they have the means and their parents have the means, like, and they end up going to college to 100% explore going abroad, whether like you just go to Italy for the whole time, which like my brother did. Um, I think that, that, that experience on semester at sea just, it shaped my entire future and it shaped what I wanted out of life and what I didn't want out of life. Um, and I think, you know, it's really easy to go to like for my friend, you know, they go to Tabor and then go to Bates and then get a job selling insurance right away. And then you're making money, but you haven't seen anything. You haven't had any life experiences. Um, and even this one casting director, I was doing an interview for this casting director when I was on that TV show, Witchblade. And um, I used to have these roommates. One was a writer and the other was an actor, but they would never leave LA because they were always feared they're gonna miss an audition or miss some opportunity. And I was like the opposite. I was like out exploring like Joshua Tree or going on surf trips and, and doing all these things. And that casting director goes, David, the single best thing you've told me is that, and, and that I would pass on to other actors is to go live a portion of your life. So you have something to bring to a character when you're actually like ready to start auditioning or, or being an actor or, or whatever it is, like, you know, whatever that job or dream may be. If you get to experience a little bit of life before you settle into a job, it just gives you this worldly knowledge. It gives you, gives you a little bit of street knowledge. You know how to handle yourself by yourself. You're, you're able to like be in a different country and get around and be, be safe. Um, I think that's like the number one advice I would give. And, um, you know, looking back, I, I obviously like the, <laughs> we had a blast at Bates. We used to, you know, obviously like party. Um, and, our physical fitness was mandatory for football and stuff, but you always look back and go, yeah, I wish I probably like, you know, studied a little more, worked out a little harder and kind of took advantage of the opportunities that were really presented to me instead of, you know, going out Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Like you just don't need to do that really. You know, you definitely go out and have fun on your weekends during college. It's like, that's your one chance in life to kind of be free and have a blast. But um, definitely be aware of like how cool of an opportunity it is to go to a school like Tabor and like to make sure you make full use of everything they have to offer you. And if you go on to college, the same, same advice, like don't, don't let like days slide by where you're kind of sleeping until noon because you've gone, not gone out too big like before or something like that, you know, um, and follow your heart, follow your dreams. Like don't, you know, I, th I think it's always important to have a backup plan and that's critical, like, but you can keep pushing your, you can keep striving for your dream, even if your parents are like, that's not going to happen or 
don't like if, if it's in your gut, it's in your heart, it's in your spirit, you know, you got to follow that because that's, that's who you are. And that's true to your being true to yourself, but also, you know, have a backup plan. Like I, myself, like if I had to, and acting completely fell out, I could have gone and worked for my brother's construction company and totally made a great living and been fine because I had developed skills as a carpenter, you know, um, uh, you know, so kind of that, those, those things are my, my Chokichi's, uh, advice for the future generations. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing your story. It was very real. And I think more than anything, it showed that there's not just one path to success. It's not all vertical. It's not a straight line. And Absolutely. I think that's the message that students need to hear right now, um, especially in this current state of the world. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much. For you're so welcome. You're, you're amazing. If you have any, do you have anything else? Or are you good? I think, I think I'm good. You're good. Um, thank you so much for everything that you shared. That was more than I could have even imagined.